Well, good morning and welcome. If you are here, um, we are glad to see you. And if you are interested in sitting somewhere that you maybe have never sat before, today would be a good day to test drive um, some new seats toward the the middle. Um, But we are glad to be here. We're glad to worship together in the name of the Lord. I just want to welcome you. Hope you enjoy the service and just point out that if you are visiting here this morning, it's our pleasure um, that you've joined us. If you're a regular folk, it's good to see you again. And just um, there's a card, looks just like this in the bulletin, that gives you an opportunity to share prayer requests, ask questions, and share other information. You can fill that out, and then we pass the offering plate in just um, a few moments together. But we'll enjoy some singing. We'll read from Scripture. We'll be in First Peter in just a few minutes. And um, we'll just enjoy spending time in the presence of the Lord in the house of the Lord. So welcome to Cross Timbers. Would you stand and join us in singing this morning?
First Peter chapter 4 as we read from God's Word together this morning. I'll read the first 11 verses and then the, the deacons will come and we will uh, collect the offering. 
First Peter chapter 4, verse 1, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who were dead, that through that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers above all. Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Gentlemen, will you come? Join with me in prayer, please. Father God in heaven, we come before you this morning praying, giving you praise and glory for who you are, the one true God, the creator of all that is. Dear Lord, today may we come before you with happy, open hearts and with a worship for you. Just guide us and direct us with your words today, dear Lord. May we be generous with our offerings that we give back to you, just a portion of what you have given to us. We thank you again for your son Jesus and the price he paid on the cross for our sins. And we do pray in his precious name. Amen.
Would you stand and sing with us?
Colossians chapter 1, begin reading there in verse 1 in a few moments. Um, Undoubtedly, you've either seen on the television, heard on the radio, or read about it on the internet that as we speak right now, um, the nation of Israel is under um, attack um, and from different um, directions from both the north and from south, and on this 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, um, at the using the words of the Prime Minister of Israel, um, they have declared we are at war. Um, the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in Psalm 122. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. And we know that ultimately, you know, God's plan and purposes will be fulfilled for his people, the nation of Israel. And we trust that those who are called by the name of Jesus or as the Hebrew speaking people would say, the followers of Yeshua would be bold in sharing their faith that innocent lives would be protected and there would be peaceful resolution to the conflict. So if you just join me in a brief prayer, I'll pray out loud as you pray on your own. Lord, we do pray, as your word says, for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the people there that are innocent bystanders, that are targets for attack. We pray for 
the spread of the gospel that many would come to know that the Messiah is come, that there is living hope in Yeshua. And Lord, we would be diligent in our prayers. Lord, we don't put our hope in in political forces, in governments. We put our hope in you. And so Lord, help them to see that hope is found in you alone, through your son Jesus. And we do pray for a peaceful resolution. Lord, knowing that one day there will be peace when the Prince of Peace is enthroned. Thank you, O Lord, for your goodness. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. We continue on moving forward. We've been looking at, for the last several weeks, we are the church. We've defined some different terms. We've answered questions. And what I want to speak about this morning is the flow of grace. Now we look around us and we see that that things flow into and out of things all of the time. You know, water flows into a pipe, into your sink, and then down the drain. Electricity travels through a wire from one end of the other. Maybe one you can relate with more um, so is that money flows into your bank account and flows out of your bank account. Or maybe when you open up a door, the air on the outside rushes inside, whether it's the warm air finding its way in or the cold air finding its way in. But I want us to use those ideas, those pictures, to realize that that God's grace freely flows from the throne of God. And the hearts that it flows into, it changes or transforms. It remains there in lives to continue to bring transformation, to provide motivation, to allow for growth, and that it should freely flow from our lives, that our attitudes should be graceful. Our words should be as grace seasoned with salt. Our actions should be actions of grace. And when we experience it or we see the flow of grace, it's a beautiful and powerful thing. I'm much more of a river person than a lake person or an ocean person. And one of the things I I love to watch is just the flow of water. You see the the beauty of it. You see all the different colors. You see the bubbles. And then every now and then you get to experience the power of flowing water. You see the devastation that comes from floods. You see that when it's harnessed and put through turbines, it creates electricity. And that electricity flows through power lines and powers homes and changes people's lives. And in the same way, God's grace flows through our world like a river. And when it's caught and understood, then there's this fullness of faith and love and hope in human hearts. And what I hope we can see today is that the grace of God transforms lives, produces spiritual fruit, and multiplies when shared with others. So the focus today will be about grace, how it appeared to the world in the person of Jesus, how it flows in and out of lives that bring change, and a little bit about what that change looks like, and how God intends to use us where we're at for His grace to flow into us and out from us to help spread the good news and to be about His business of making disciples. 
So I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 and read down through verse number 8. Paul writes his letter and begins with Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. Verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of your Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, we pause this morning in in prayer, asking for your help as we open and prepare to study your word. Lord, as we've opened the pages of our Bibles or opened up um, on our phone, we ask that you would open up our hearts. Lord, that you would help us to, to see very clearly your grace in our world, the grace around us, your grace at work in us and the grace that you desire to work through us. And so, Lord, we ask for your help. We trust you will bring it. And we know above all things that you'll be glorified. Lord, help your word to go deep into our hearts and bring about lasting change. Lord, we put our trust in you, our hope in you, and we look forward to hearing from you today, and we pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I may have to call technical support. Um, I updated my iPad, and now it's trying to keep going blank. So um, if, if I go blank, you're going to know it's because my iPad went blank. Um, I can't change the settings right now because I'm, I'm not evidently good enough to do that, but that's just okay. But I want to tell you this morning that As we look at God's Word, I want us to think about this letter that Paul wrote to a church, a young church in Colossae, a place he'd never been to, people he hadn't personally met, and he starts his letter after introducing himself with prayer and praise. So he's heard about what's going on there, he's thankful for it, and he just erupts in praise. And then he goes on in the rest of the letter to encourage them about living in Christ. And as we look at this praise and this prayer, it'll help us to see what the transforming power of a personal relationship with Jesus can come can do when it comes into our lives. There's three simple things I want you to see in the bulletin that will help us as we guide, our, as it guide us as we work through this. And the first thing is just simply grace has come to you. So verses 3 through 8, like I said, are the prayer of thanks. God for the work of grace that he has seen or heard about in these brothers and sisters. And he begins, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. 
Now you notice that we, and we have to always remember that Paul often wrote on behalf of his companions. So, you know, Paul and, and Timothy are those that were with him. And so he says, we always thank God. We gather together and pray. When we hear about what's going on there, we're thankful for you. And when we pray, and when we pray, we remember you and we give thanks to God for what he is doing. It's that, that wonderful reminder that, you know, thankfulness and, and prayer, you know, go hand in, in hand. You know, when we, we pray, it's, it's as much or more about thanking God for who he is as it is than just sitting down and, and requesting what we need. That when we pray, we, we give God thanks. And so he'd heard about their progress. He'd received a progress report from a man called Epaphras, and he's giving God praise for their faith, their love, and their hope. It's those three favorite words that Paul uses. It's usually faith, hope, and love, as you remember from 1 Corinthians 13. But here it's faith, love, and hope. And he says it's your faith in Christ Jesus. So there was a faith evident that was rooted and centered in Jesus. He was the foundation. He was the center. He was the focus. They had a love that was for all the saints. That they were a loving community known for their relationship with one another. That God's love had poured into their heart through the Holy Spirit. That love which proves faith. That gives evidence that you're a disciple. And always extends outside the walls of the building. So while there's love for the saints, we can also understand or imply that there's love for others. That that love, just like grace, is supposed to flow out from us to the places we go. So faith, love, and then hope laid up for you in heaven. Don't you like knowing that there's something waiting for you? That that moment of anticipation, I mean, it could just be that you know you got a half gallon of ice cream in the freezer when you get home. You know, but how much more exciting than that? That sounds good, doesn't it? We could stop and go have ice cream right, right now. But think about this, that when this life is over, that there is something waiting for us that is more incredible, more wonderful, more mind-blowing than we could ever imagine. And that is an eternity spent in the presence of God. That there is a hope, there's a future laid up for them in heaven. And so when they placed their faith in Christ, that hope became theirs and it was real. And it was this confident expectation that there was a future event coming. And it should motivate us to be obedient and to persevere in the faith. Now, all three of these, faith, love, and hope, none of them would be possible apart from Jesus. And so it's his death, life, death, and resurrection that make this flow of grace possible. And so when we talk about this, the good news, the gospel, that Jesus came to save sinners and he died in our place, we need to see that, you know, that through the good news or the gospel, God communicates the truth about his grace. That he did something on our behalf that we could never, ever do for ourselves. Paul calls it in his letter, this, this you have heard before in the word of truth. He calls the gospel this word of truth. It's something everybody needs, nobody deserves, and it's impossible to do for ourselves. Yet, because of God's grace, men and women, people who put their trust in Jesus can 
be saved from the penalty of sin and live a life in Christ. And he refers to it again in verse 6 as the grace of God in truth. Well, in response to that, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells us what he preached as the gospel, that Christ died for sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried and He rose again according to the Scriptures on the third day. And that's the message of what Jesus did. It's true, it's unchanging, it's powerful, it transformed. When someone places their trust in Jesus, then that love, grace, and mercy that God pours out becomes evident in lives. And in that moment, it creates a new person, a new creation. Think about that. You know, before you came to know Jesus and after you came to know Jesus, you're a new creation. And you became a recipient of grace to be a messenger of God's grace to others. Now, the message came to the Colossians, most likely through this man we know as Epaphras. He not only reported to Paul about what was going on, he also brought the good news and taught in Colossae. And that good news was shared. Paul says it it came to you. It has come to you. It's a, a past tense event. So that sometime in the past, The good news about Jesus was preached in Colossae and people heard and responded. See, all around the world in places near and far, God's grace just keeps flowing. Just like water, you know, running finds the lowest place to settle. You know, God's grace is able to find and reach the people in their lowest state, the people that need Him most. It's the people that are full of pride, full of self, that, that miss out until they're humble. And so this message came to them, but we also understand that they heard the message. It said, this you have heard before in the text. Faith comes by hearing. So they listened to the message. They received it. And what they heard had changed their future. But but just hearing something's not enough, um, at least according to my mom, um, the difference between I hear you and do you understand me, um, you know, there was, there was a great gap um, growing up that, that I learned quickly um, through um, persistence on my mom's behalf. Um, and so knowing and understanding, it says, you know, to know something here is not just a you know, to understand something is not just to nod your head and say, yeah, I got it. But it's to, to examine something fully or to know with complete certainty. So it, it goes so far beyond just facts. It's recognizing who Jesus truly is. It's realizing that he lived, was crucified, he lived, was crucified and rose again so that you could have life. And then it's responding to him with trusting Faith. Or as one man put it, it's, per, it's to personally experience the transforming power of the good news. There's a response. And this grace flows, and it flows without end because we are so needy. Everyone needs it for salvation. We need it every day afterwards. And 
It never wears out and it never grows old. I don't know if you've read anything by author Jerry Bridges. He's written some several books, but listen to what he says this about, says about grace. Your worst days are never so bad that you're beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. His grace is sufficient and we need it. But it comes to us all the time. It's like air around us that we that we breathe. It's like soil where plants grow. And when we breathe in God's grace, faith grows, love sprouts, and hope blossoms. Because the second thing we need to see is that grace produces fruit. You see it there in the verses, as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing. That imagery that that God uses throughout the Bible of seeds being planted, seeds growing to a plant, the plant maturing and then the plant producing fruit, of the oak of righteousness, of the great harvest. And this message of grace, the gospel, is bearing fruit and increasing. Why? Because the grace of God and truth came to these Christians and began to create more and more followers of Jesus. You see it all through history. The gospel grows and Spreads. Started there at the moment of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends upon the people. Peter preaches, and the people cry out because they're cut to the heart. What must we do to be saved? And since that time, the good news is going out to all the earth. Now, there's still those that need to hear, there's still groups of people that need to be reached, but it is going out to all the earth. And as it goes, it bears fruit. Jonathan Edwards, great Puritan preacher, said this, Grace, and I love it, grace is the seed of glory. Grace is the seed of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And God's grace is packed to overflowing with life-giving potential. I've been, okay, you can, in my life, you can use researching and wavering almost as synonymous terms and situations, but I've been trying to research and decide about planting ryegrass in our pasture during the winter. And, and I've read about some different types of grasses, and the hope that I have is to have some grass on the ground that's green and the cows can eat. And, you know, I know that process will take, you know, sowing some seeds. It has to go on ground that is prepared and hopefully we receive some moisture, you know, from above and the ground will produce fruitfulness and I will have grass. And in a similar way, God's grace bears fruit in our lives, except it's always produced. It's dependent on him and not us. And the primary idea here, when it talks about, you know, this bearing fruit is salvation of others, that there's more and more people placing their trust in Jesus, that by God's grace, when the seed of love and faith and truth falls on hearts that are ready, that that love of God takes 
root that life begins and hope erupts. But the secondary thought that we can't escape is that also there's the idea that spiritual fruit should be developing in our our lives, that as we live in the atmosphere, the environment of grace, that we should produce fruit, spiritual fruit, but also we should continue to grow in our relationship. Because grace doesn't, you know, grace also increases or, or grows. Peter knew a lot about grace that God had extended to him through Jesus in the midst of his great successes, his great failures, his denial of Jesus. And we read in 1 Peter, but in 2 Peter, he encourages us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How can you grow in grace? Well, first, it's not about getting more Because grace is never-ending. It's always sufficient. It's more about God's grace getting more of us. There's more than enough of it to go around. There's enough to save us, to mature us, and lead us all the way home. But it's realizing that God has good intentions for us, good plans for us, that His goal is not to zap us from ever doing anything that's fun or exciting, that His grace doesn't just free us up to do anything we want to do because nobody cares, but no, His grace frees us to live a life of obedience to Jesus, a life that is full of meaning and full of purpose. And so as we grow in grace, the idea is that we grow in Christ. We grow closer to Jesus. He set us up, the perfect environment for success. We need to trust and we need to obey. And as we grow in the understanding of what Jesus does for us, is still doing, then we grow in our our praise. We recognize that the people around us need grace as well, and it helps to fuel our service, our discipleship, and our evangelism. Because when grace grows in your heart, things will never remain the same. It will motivate you to share it with others. And so we have the third thing. Grace should flow from you. Now, I don't know, it's maybe a long time since you've seen a flow chart. But I have one that's not labeled. And it's it's masterfully done with PowerPoint. Look at that. Oh my gosh. It's not labeled, but I got it on there. But a flow chart. It shows the natural progression of things. Steps that are needed to finish a process. Stages of development, how to get a product from raw materials through production and to consumers. And then I, I wrote this down because I thought it was funny. You know, um, you know, your plumbing plan for your house is a bit of a flow chart, right? Because it shows how the, the water goes in and out of your, your house. But I want us to think of that in the terms of a, a spiritual flow chart, something that is a, a cycle that is meant to, to begin and to continue and to be ongoing. And so it, it starts with somebody who's been transformed by grace. And they immediately become this, you know, messenger of grace, this agent of hope. And in this, the part of the letter we read today, we find out that it's somebody who hears and understands the gospel. So they've made that commitment. They've trusted in Jesus. 
they've been changed by grace, and now they are God's messenger. Now, the messenger we have an example of today is this man called Epaphras. It's funny, in, in Greek, his name basically means Mr. Handsome. It's kind of funny. Um, so apparently he, his mom at least thought he was pretty handsome. Um, of course, what mother doesn't think that we're handsome? Speaking of that, wow, I'm sorry I'm off subject, but yesterday, I'll tell you, I um, just um, was at the, the at Mitchell and Anna's wedding, and I'll tell you, Man, there there could not have been four sharper dressed dudes standing up there. I mean, wearing just suits, Kevin and Matthew and Mitchell and, and Landon, and then all the ladies had on their dresses, and it was just this perfect palette of of just it was great. And I just thought, you know, I encouraged you know Matthew to wear his suit today because I thought it was you know just I thought it was cool. But um, but you know, just this handsome person. I got off track. Um, but he goes on. He's not just this handsome guy, and he doesn't even bring that out. But he calls him. Listen to what he says about Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. So he loves him, works alongside him, a faithful minister of Christ. Boy, at the end of the day, wouldn't that be just great to have that said about you? May not be good looking, but I'm a beloved fellow servant and a faithful minister of Christ. And here he is. He's the pastor to the Colossians. He's ministering, and we know that because. The words Paul uses, he says, on your behalf, so he's there for their benefit, not his own. And then he tells us that he learned this word of truth from them. And so a messenger of grace wants to share with others. They understand where they were, what they came from, what they came out of. They know what God did, that God intervened and is still doing something in their life. And they trust in what God will do in the future. And what you see in these individuals, what you see in lives that are transformed like this, is just this beautiful flow of grace in and out of their lives. Their words, their actions, the things they do, the things they say, just exude God's grace. But the next part that you need there is it has to fall on a willing recipient. See, God's grace is extended to everyone, but not everyone takes full advantage of it. It's the humble heart that responds to God's grace, that receives that free gift that God offers, that that chooses to follow after Jesus, to live for Jesus and grow in Jesus. And that humble, transformed heart has a deep desire to share grace with others. Because when grace flows into you, it shares in everything that it shows in everything that you do and so you have this pattern that those who are changed by grace will become a willing sharer of grace you could say it this way grace people grace others i like the farmer's insurance commercials you know they're just those crazy stories about things that supposedly farmer's insurance has paid claims for And at the end, there's always that tagline. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. And they take you walking through that hall of claims. Well, it just suggests to you that there's a hall of grace. That God has those who are trophies of His grace that that know a thing or two because they've seen a thing or two. 
they've experienced life. The rough stuff. The not so pretty stuff. The ugly stuff. The oh, we can't talk about that in church stuff. But they've also experienced the transforming grace of God. And they see that out of the ash heap, uh, the wreck that was there, the beauty that God has created, they know about the past. They've seen things in the past, but they know a thing or two about the future that God has. I can't think of anybody better in the Bible than Paul. On the road to Damascus. He is a zealous Jewish leader, Pharisee of Pharisees. He is prideful. He is determined to snuff out anyone who is part of the way. He's a persecutor of God's people. And he hears the voice of the Lord Jesus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And on that road, in a bright vision, God's grace appeared to him in the person of Jesus. His life was transformed. He was no longer a persecutor, but he would be a preacher. And we hear the words of the song Amazing Grace written by John Newton. How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. Once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And the captain of his slave ship, thinking about a man who was walking on a road and was blinded, but God opened his eyes, not only physically, but spiritually. And listen to what Paul writes. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Paul writes this, Of this gospel I was made, This is his title, A Minister According to the Gift of God's Grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Saved by the gift of grace given a second chance because of His grace. Grace is extended to us, and the expectation is we share that grace with others. And what you see developing is this beautiful cycle that helps to make disciples. If one person sharing grace with another, the other person hears the sound of amazing grace and the truth of the gospel, they understand, they begin to grow in grace, and then the process repeats. It grows, it multiplies Because grace will freely flow in and out of willing hearts. Brings us back to the beginning. The grace of God transforms lives, produces spiritual fruit, and multiplied when shared. The challenge we have is getting ourselves out of the way. Fighting through that fear. Fighting through that pride. Fighting with the weapons that God has given us. Fight against our flesh and the trust in Jesus. I found a really just a beautiful quote about that. Um, it's written by Rachel Evans. And listen, she just says, The gospel doesn't need a coalition devoted to keeping the wrong people out. It needs a family of sinners saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors, and shouting out, Welcome 
There's bread. There's wine. Come eat with us and talk. This isn't a kingdom for the worthy. It's a kingdom for the hungry. Oh, when God's grace flows into us, we realize that our hunger that we thought nothing can satisfy and we tried everything else to satisfy we're satisfied in a person whose name is Jesus and we welcome others to come and see think about the woman at the well come and see a man who's changed by the grace of God so as we close how can grace flow out from us Sometimes I just wonder if we, you know, we don't know practically. So let me just give you, there's seven things, and um, and they're all fairly simple. They're right out of Scripture. One is just to love others. Love people. It's extending grace. is loving people. Bearing with others. Now, I just have to remember, you know, bearing is not so much with, it's not that grin, you know, grit your teeth, saying, oh, here we go again, rolling your eyes. But it's having patience with others, understanding that you're not a refined person, and they're not refined either, and we extend grace. Forgiving others. Being willing to forgive others. Watching our words. Being careful what we say and how we speak. Being thankful. Now we're thankful to God, but to be thankful for other people. Somebody told me somewhere along the way that if you look hard enough, you could find something good in everybody, and that you should take the opportunity to point those things out. I'm so thankful in my life that people have chosen to recognize me for my qualities instead of hold me um, in ill because of my shortcomings. But then also just look for opportunities. Take those moments. and, And maybe the prayer for the day is, God, show me how I can grace somebody. And in that opportunity where it's, it could be just like a me first, who cares about you moment. Maybe that's the time God says he's going to show grace. But then also it's taking opportunity to share the good news. God's done something incredible for me. This is who I was, past tense. This is who I am, present tense. And the difference in the middle is what Jesus has done for me. Because as Titus, as Paul wrote to Titus, the grace of God has appeared. He appeared in the person of Jesus, and he brought salvation to all people. I want to close by reading some lyrics to a song. It was written on the the Passion album way back in the year 2006. Um, I know that's old, um, but it's not as old as some of the songs and hymnals. But listen, this it was um, it was written for the Passion Worship Conference. Um, Christy Knuckles sang it, and listen to these words: "Amazing grace, how sweet the sound." Amazing love now flowing down from hands and feet that were nailed to the tree as grace flows down and covers me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Amazing love now flowing down from hands and feet that were nailed to a tree as grace flows down and covers me. It covers me. It covers me and it covers me. I would add to that it flows to me in order to transform me and flow out from me for the glory of God and 
woven is flowing in you today, is it flowing out of you today? Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you. Humbling to come to your word and speak about grace and to recognize that if we were honest, it's something that we are just beginning to understand. We're so grateful for it. Lord, help us to be so thankful about what you've done for us that we build in excitement and want to share that with other people. How we act and what we say, sharing the truth about Jesus. Help us to see that grace can equal grace to others. And that when grace is extended, it's powerful. It transforms and it grows. Lord, you're good. Your ways are good. And your word is good. May the seed of your word grow in our hearts and produce fruit that will last. We ask that in your name. Amen. I have some moments before we depart to focus on the Lord may be saying to us about this message of grace. Maybe you're here in this. Maybe it's just that you need to realize that God's grace is available and to receive it today. Maybe it's to step past, I can't understand how this can be, and step into the, oh my gosh, I'm so glad it is a reality. Jesus, whatever it means, whatever you ask, I'm all in for you. Maybe the struggle is in walking it. Maybe you're so excited about the fact that God has graced you, but you find that point of contention in extending that grace to others. Sometimes there's things in our lives there's, that, that distract us from the calling and mission that we have. And so maybe it's just to set it right there and say, God, you know, I'm so glad for your grace, but if I'm really honest, I'm not really that gracious toward others. May God build that in us. And then maybe third, just God, just show me somebody right now today that you're saying, hey, just show that your grace to that person because they need it and they need you. There may be other things you need to pray for. You can pray at the front. You can pray where you're, you're seated. I'll be waiting if you need someone to pray with you, but to listen to the piano play quietly, to listen with our hearts and our minds to the Lord, we, let us respond as we Focus on the Lord.
Amen. Marvelous grace of a loving God. Isn't that such a great word? Grace. Don't you want to know more of it? Don't you want to be someone that's known for being gracious and sharing the grace of God with others? Amen. Our worship team is going to make its way up to lead us in a closing song, but while we... um, while they're making their way up, because they are multitaskers and they can listen and, and move at the same time, um, let me just remind you of a few things. Next Sunday morning, right after service, we will enjoy um, a fellowship meal along with our quarterly meeting. So bring food um, for yourself. Bring something to share. Get on Pinterest and find a great recipe and bring something yummy, and we'll enjoy that um, together. And then after we eat and enjoy fellowship, we'll have um, our time of business together. Um, tomorrow, and um, in observance of Columbus Day, Indigenous Peoples Day, um, I thought I discovered something, but it was already discovered day, depending on how you look at um, that holiday. Um, the office will be closed, um, along with the banks. So if you do need something, um, if there's an emergency, you can give me a call. If not, you can... Wait until Tuesday, and then also there will be no Ladies Connect meeting in the month of October. It falls on the same night as the um, Next Step um, Gala fundraiser, so there will be no Ladies Connect um, this month. And then one last incredible opportunity. Um, Right after the service, um, I need some help stacking sanctuary chairs. We are going to get the carpet cleaned, and so... um, to do that, we need to do things off the carpet. So, And then everybody has to be really careful next week when we eat and not get anything on the carpet. But if you are available and you're willing, we need to stack some chairs and make room. The carpet cleaner is going to be here first thing Tuesday morning and ready to, um, to get after it. So if you can help with that, that would be great. It's been a pleasure to worship with you today. Um, we're going to sing together. So if you want to stand up and warm up your voices, and then when we finish singing... Um, you will be dismissed. Lord bless you. I am-